everyone. Welcome to the Bulletproof Hygiene Podcast, where mistakes are welcome, nothing is off limits, and growth is inevitable. I am Sharissa Wood. I'm Brittany Simon. And we are putting our brains together to bring you the tools you need to elevate your hygiene practice, build amazing team culture, and provide patients with the very best care. Our mission is to help empower and equip every hygienist to practice purposeful, profitable hygiene. We look to guide you on your journey towards career fulfillment by providing support, collaboration, and community to our profession. As two of the top producing hygienists in the country, we know firsthand that these things lead to sustainable and fulfilling practice and the happy side effect of high profitability. So let's get to it. Hi, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Bulletproof Hygiene. We are so excited to have you joining us today, and today's topic is a little different, uh, but we feel completely relevant to what we do on the daily. And as hygienists, we are obviously in the service industry. We serve our patients, we care for them, we help them, and we love them. Well, hopefully most of them. Our patients are the reason we roll out of bed in the morning, make ourselves look presentable, get our day organized, and take the time we do investing in our expertise and continuing education. I mean, of course, the paycheck plays a big role in these things too, but we all know we couldn't do it without our patients. And honestly, all of the really focused and intentional hygienists that we know got into hygiene to care for others and connect with them. So today we're going to dive into how to connect better with our patients. We love our patients and we want them to love us and our practices so they will return, be return clients who have, we have instilled their trust in us and so that they'll send their friends and family. So it stands to reason that if we love our patients, we should do it well. So today we are talking about the five love languages and how we can meet our patients where they're at and make them feel loved and cared for in our operatories. And if you've never heard of the five love languages, the premise comes from the book authored by Dr. Gary Chapman. It's called The Five Love Languages. And the idea is that different people with different personalities give and receive love in different ways. So by learning to recognize these preferences in others, you can connect more profoundly and develop meaningful relationships. Since that is our goal as healthcare providers, and wellness coaches. Let's take a look at these five different languages, and then we'll talk about how to recognize others' languages and how to speak that language within our operatories. As we list these, you'll find that it's really easy to relate to all of them, probably, but each of us has one or two that speak to us the most, and the same goes for our patients and team. So the first love language is acts of service, and this is where you feel loved when someone goes out of their way to make your life easier or to do something for you. Um, It's for people that feel actions speak louder than words, and unlike those who prefer to hear how much they're cared for, these people, the people on this list, like to be shown how much they're appreciated. So doing small or big things to make them feel comfortable is highly cherished by these people. And some day-to-day examples of this can be things like bringing someone soup when they're sick or making someone coffee or picking up dinner if they've had a long day at work. It's just those small actions of service that help them and make them feel special. Secondly, we have quality time. And people who speak this language feel the most adored when others actively want to spend time with them and are always down to hang out. They particularly love when active listening, eye contact, and full presence are prioritized as hallmarks in a relationship. 
To them, it's all about giving your undivided attention to that person without the distraction of TV, phone screens, or any other outside interference. They have a strong desire to actively spend time with others, having meaningful conversations or sharing recreational activities. Third is words of affirmation. This language means you value verbal acknowledgments of affection, compliments, words of appreciation, verbal encouragement, and often frequent digital communication like texting and social media engagement. Written and spoken shows of adoration matter the most to these people. These expressions make them feel understood and appreciated. Fourth is gifts. And gifts is a pretty straightforward love language. Those with this gift feel loved when people give them visual symbols of love. And it's not necessarily about the monetary value, but the symbolic thought behind the items. So people with this style recognize and value the gift giving process, the careful reflection, the deliberate choosing of the object to represent the relationship and the emotional benefits from receiving the present. These people enjoy being gifted something that is both physical and meaningful. And the key is giving them things that matter to them and reflect their values, not necessarily yours. The last love language is physical touch. So as babies, we know love when we are held, kissed, and touched by our parents and family. This language extends to those same physical cues and the connection they bring. Those who speak this language feel loved by physical touch. Since neither our team or patient relationships are of an intimate nature, um, we'll keep the focus on the fact that these people who communicate via this language, when they consent to it, obviously, Feel appreciated when they are hugged, high-fived, or literally patted on the back. The value of the feeling of warmth and comfort that comes with physical touch. So the concept around these languages is that once we know um, how others are wired, we can meet them where they're at and connect with them better, making them feel loved and appreciated. And we know that we spend hours a day doing our best to foster trust with our patients. So what better way to show them you care and meet their needs than to love them where they're at and with the method that speaks to them best. When we meet our patients' needs in their preferred language, we make patients for life. So here's the tricky part. I doubt that any of us have the five love languages quiz on our medical history, because that would be weird. You guys, you guys don't have that, right, Britt? No, but I wish that we did actually. That would be helpful, right? (laughs) So helpful. (laughs) So instead, we've got to use our powers of observation, really listen to our patients, observe and test out a few strategies to get to know our patients and see what they respond to. So we're going to transition this to our appointment time and look at some real life applications for how to identify the languages and then how to speak it from a clinician standpoint. Yeah, I, w- I want to uh, interject here just for a second, because I think that a good thing to remember is as we become more self-aware and, you know, are aware of how we sense love or feel the most love, like which language is ours, it helps us to understand others' love language, I think, too. It's kind of like when you when you get to know yourself better, you know how to love and interact with and have relationships relationships with others. So I think it's really important that we understand like which ones of these um, resonate with us most or which ones we relate to the most, you know, before we start trying to kind of like, um, what's the right word, like interpret which of these is, is our patients, you know, most kind of thing. Um, and 
this will boil down, I know, eventually to kind of mirroring and matching to yes. some extent. It's like the it's like the really, really in-depth version of mirroring and matching. Like mirroring and matching is is more superficial. Like a person changes their tone of voice or their physical position or or stance or they crossing their arms or they not. And then you kind of mirror and match that to make yourself more like that person. And therefore they sense that they like you more and that you have quicker and more rapport with them. That's kind of like the superficial version of this. But I think this is like a much more, you have to be like really in tune to what people are doing, what people are saying and what you need and what you want, what you like. Like, I think it's, uh, it takes the next level of awareness. So I think like looking at this list, I'm familiar with the five love languages. I love this concept. And I think that really, really important that once we understand ours, we kind of are open to explaining or letting someone else know how we feel most love. Sometimes I feel like you have to verbally say like, it means the most to me when you do X, when you pat me on the back and give me a hug, when you say something nice to me, when you intentionally spend time with me and devote that time to me, when you do something like wash the dishes, you know, like be intentional at verbalizing um, those things so that people know because they can't read our minds. But I think the better that we get about communicating about this sort of thing, the better we can infer about what our patients want and need, because, because this takes such a high level of awareness. I don't, I think there's probably a lot of patients who don't even know what they want or need. Right. You know, so us being able to determine that and kind of like read into that mostly accurately is going to, you know, encompass a lot of this awareness. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Well, by the way, by the way, which one do you think that I know which one I am? And I think I know which one you are, which one would you say speaks the most to you or when your friend does X, which is the thing that makes you feel the most loved? Mine is absolutely 100% quality time. Yeah. Yeah. Mine is too. I mean, it makes sense because we both like have to talk to each other on the phone every day. We yeah. have to FaceTime. We have to text each other. <laughs> we have to have, you know, podcasts. When we, when we leave off the podcast, we say how much we're going to miss each other. Like, yeah. <laughs> like yeah. clearly quality time is a big thing. And I feel that a lot of, for a lot of people, maybe it's a smaller thing. I think that we all, you know, have parts and pieces of all five love languages, or we appreciate parts and pieces of all five, but definitely for me, quality time is the, the most too, you know? And I think for me, the second one would be gifts. Okay. And I think this is actually a distorted one because as a kid, (laughs) I felt like the kind of gift that I got from someone indicated how much they loved me or how much they valued me or how valuable I actually was as a person. And a lot of that comes from getting crappier gifts than my sisters. So this is like becoming psych 101 dive into therapy. But I think that this is where some of the things come from. But, you know, just interesting to look at what our own love languages are. And the most interesting thing about this list to me is that that these are the things that make you and I feel most loved, but they're not the things that make everyone else feel the most loved. And we have to love others in their love language, our love language. And this is the thing that people miss. Right. Oh, exactly right. And what's funny is you just talked about your childhood. And uh, as I was preparing for this podcast and doing some reading, um, one of the suggestions was if you really want to know what somebody else's love language is, have them tell you their childhood stories, have them tell you about, you know, their upbringing, Mm -hmm. because that's where a lot of this comes from. And so, you know, I think for me, quality time for me, um, I grew up, you know, military brat with my mom and my stepdad. And they were there physically, but I just didn't feel like there was a really strong connection 
Mm-hmm. Hopefully my family doesn't listen to my podcast. This is <laughs> awkward. Uh, but I um, had a really close relationship with my, my dad, my biological dad, and I saw him for holidays and summers. And so when I went, went out to see him, we had the best quality time. You know, we did things together. We were, you know, talking and engaged and he was interested. And so I, I think for me, that's where that came from. And then my secondary one is, is uh, words of affirmation. And I think looking back again, I was really involved in sports and I was always playing a sport. I loved being part of a team that was, again, I needed that connection that I wasn't necessarily getting at home. And so words of affirmation, I just remember, you know, my coach, when my coach and my teammates would say way to go or great job, or, you know, uh, I tended to get, I wasn't ever the best on the team, but I tended to get a lot of at the end of season awards for most uh, improved. And so I think that for me, like it was just, it was getting that coaching and hearing the feedback and then doing it and then, you know, being praised for that, like that just meant a lot to me. So I think you hit the nail on the head when you say like it comes from childhood. So that might be a good way to kind of think through for our listeners, like, Hey, you know, and you can always check this book is awesome. I definitely recommend reading the book, um, but kind of delving in to see what yours are and really understanding the others, because what you just said is vitally important because Mm -hmm. here's the thing. Most people tend to speak their own love language to others, right? They love people in the way that they like to be loved instead of the way the other person wants to be loved. Yeah. It's what they value and most and what they want most. So they assume, you know, that's, that speaks love to other people. And so, you know, if you're a gift person and you give somebody else this like really meaningful, extravagant gift, but they're more of like a, you know, quality time person, they may be like, oh yeah, thanks. But it doesn't mean as much to them. Right. They don't feel loved when they get there. Just right. like, oh, that's, that's nice. They're appreciative. They but, right. They're yeah. appreciative. They yeah. just don't feel loved from you. Yeah. And they might still feel like your relationship isn't very good or very strong. And I know that this is definitely the case for me. Like if, if I don't spend quality time with someone, I've had people where I'm just so confused because they're like, oh yeah, Brittany's my best friend. And I'm like thinking like, when have we spent time together? And like in their brain, they're like, oh yeah, but you know, we exchanged gifts and she said this nice thing about me. And I said, so maybe their love language is different. And so they perceive we have a much deeper relationship than I perceived we did, you know, and I'm like constantly confused about these things, but, (laughs) but, you know, I think that just stems from this. And I want to just piggyback on what you said about the childhood thing. It seems like our love languages can stem from what we remember most fondly. And how, when we felt most loved or maybe where we felt the biggest void yeah. in child, like what, what didn't we get kind of thing, you know? Right. So I think it's important when we're looking back to kind of like consider both of those things, because I think that mine definitely stemmed from the void, the absence of things. Right. Like what, I, what I value now most is what, like, I really didn't get enough, yeah. you know, as a kid or what I wished that I would have got more of, even if no one else knew that, you know, right. Right. so I think it can, it can come from both things. Yeah. I've agreed entirely. Hey, Bulletproof Hygienists, it's Brittany and Sharissa, and we are thrilled to announce that it's finally here, our comprehensive online mastery course. If you're anything like us, you know that hygiene is more than just a job, it's more than just a paycheck, and it's a whole lot more than just cleaning teeth. It's our calling. If you're ready to take the deep dive, become a top 1% hygienist, and move from going through the motions to loving what you do every day, boosting treatment acceptance, taking communication and team building to the next level, this course is designed for you. Master all the tools you'll need to make our successes your own. Everything from mindset and culture, team organization and calibration, to individualized best practices and verbiage for success. It's all there. Earn five CEs while building your own bulletproof hygiene practice with our proven methodology. To find our course, 
go to bph.dental and click courses on the left-hand side for all the details. So all of that to say, first, we recommend getting to know these five different languages well, knowing where you're coming from, um, but so that you can run them through your head as you're interacting with your patients and your team. And that's a really great place to practice this concept and build a great team culture is understanding that of of your teammates so that you can speak their love language to them. Because, you know, our, our team is a family. We spend more time with them than we do with our families during the week. So this is a really great place to practice that as well. So once you've got them down, start looking for signs from those around you to see what you can identify. And I know that some of our patients come in very stoic and stiff because, as we know, the dental office can create a lot of anxiety and fear and people have their guard up. So they're not truly being themselves. So it may take a few visits to get to know someone well enough to identify their language. And thankfully, being the hygienist, um, we get to see them most and spend the most time with them, which can make this easier for us. Mm -hmm. So I want you to pay attention when a patient comes in. And compliments you, you know, hey, your hair looks great today, your makeup looks awesome, or asks, you know, how your life is going and cheers on your accomplishments or encourages you in any way, because these are your words of affirmation, people. If they're complimenting you, complimenting you and engaged and like encouraging you and what you're doing in your life, these are words of affirmation. So these are the patients that you want to celebrate verbally when they've got great home care. And they followed your instructions from the last visit. You want to make a big deal of that and really celebrate that verbally. They're the ones you want to encourage that we can do what it takes to get them healthy and that you're so grateful that they are in your chair and doing what they can to get themselves healthy. Tell them you're proud of them for their efforts and investments and that they are really paying off. Um, These are the patients that you may want to send some handwritten notes to when they have big, exciting life events like graduations, promotions, weddings. Um, and don't hold back with your words and make it all about, you just want to make the whole appointment about them as you go through it. Um, talk them up to the doctor when they come in for the exam and share their life events or accomplishments so that the doctor can chime in too. Um, those patients will leave feeling seen, heard, loved, and celebrated, and you better believe they'll be back for more. Um, so that's how to identify the, the words of affirmation. When you have a patient that comes in and talks about a special gift their husband bought them for their anniversary, or you've ever had a patient bring you a gift, then you know that that's an important thing to them. Um, Understand that this love language, again, it's not about materialism, um, but about feeling valued by the thought and gesture. We can give our patients some, you know, so this is like a little bit out of our comfort zone and it just depends on how your practice is set up and what you guys do. Um, and this may be just a talking point for your team to be like, Hey, what, what, what could we do for those patients? But, um, we can obviously gift our patients with home care tools, you know, rubber tips, proxy brushes, toothbrushes, um, or practice merchandise. If you have it, I know we have, you know, ball caps and beach towels and that kind of thing that we can give. Um, we do baby onesies for those having new babies. Uh, we do keep wine stocked in the office and some dinner cards for those with really big life events like weddings or big anniversaries. Um, and then we give our Atlanta Dental Spa branded toothbrushes to all of our new patients to say welcome and thanks for joining, joining the family. And so I just always say, 
Um, you know, that's, that's one of the questions I ask at our new patient visit is, Hey, you know, what does home care look like for you? How many times a day are you brushing? Are you flossing? Do you use a water pick? Like what is your true norm? And, you know, they'll share what they do. And I'll say, when you're brushing, are you using electric or manual? And I'll say, well, actually, just so you know, we value you being here so much with us. And we're so excited that you're joining our family that we're, we wanted to welcome you with a gift. Um, so you are leaving with a new toothbrush today. Um, and we just want it to be something that sets you up for success long-term. So, um, I talked to them about how to use it and all of that, but that's, you know, for those gift kind of people, that's important to them. Um, and then we also give referral gifts to those who refer their friends and family. So we have a lot of options for gifting for that. Um, and just within our practice in general, and we've just got to pay attention to who seems to really thrive in that language and meet them there with a little, little something special. I love that you do all, honestly, I love that your practice does all that because like, talk about wow service, like yeah. it's, it's doing the unexpected things, you know, so they expect to get their teeth clean. They expect to be poked and prodded and given information. They expect certain things when they come to the dentist, but they don't expect like a bottle of wine because they yeah. just got married. Like that's really awesome. And I bet you that creates like so much, um, like faithful patient faithfulness, basically, yeah. you know, like yeah. they want to come back to you. They have, they see how much you care for them and that you're going above and beyond. And like, it creates that like memory, like that memory, basically they they have a special memory with you. Yeah. We actually have it stocked and then we have wine gift bags and some tissue paper. So like if I have a patient that's like, yeah, I'm celebrating my 50th in two weeks, or, you know, we just celebrated our 50th anniversary or whatever that is, I'll run down the hall and like put that together. And yeah, patients are really wild and appreciative. So yes, you're right. And they tell their friends and family too. Yeah. You know, that's, that's, it's not just for them alone. Like it does create a referral issue. So I think it's, it was so cool. So when I was visiting your practice, not long ago, um, I remember one of the doctors had a big case that day. It was like a full mouth rehab. Um, and at the end of the case, I guess they had, um, they had the day where they were seating all the crowns and finishing everything. And it was like the finals and, uh, the patient was like super thrilled and happy and the doctor and the assistants, came out of the room and they were all excited about it and really happy with the way that it had gone. And then they went and got that bottle of wine and like a thing just to say, congratulations. And here you go. And I think the person had had a life event as well. Like they had a life event, they got their teeth done and they were like more excited about it than the patient probably was. (laughs) Like they were like, it feels great to give someone a gift like that. Such a good idea. Well, and, and for our patients that do the larger, you know, full mouth rehab, smile design kind of cases, um, you know, hybrid, all the, all the big things, mm-hmm. um, our doctors will write a handwritten note to them Aww. and just say, thank you for entrusting me with your care. You know, I've, I've enjoyed, you know, helping you achieve your goals. I'm really excited for you, your future. And they'll actually send like a, a gift card to a nice dinner restaurant in the area. Oh, I love so that. We, we are very focused on, you know, taking care of our patients really well. I love that. I love it. Yeah. So when your patient engages you in conversation and holds steady eye contact and asks you multiple questions about your life, you can bet that the quality time is their language. Um, These are those patients that you want to be really focused and intentional with. Do your best to have your room all set up as as much as possible so you won't be running out on them throughout the appointment. Ask them deeper questions about their lives, families, trips, etc., Make them feel like they are the only patient in the office and make sure they know that you see and hear them. You want to be really intentional with eye contact. And these, with these patients, it's better to come across as not rushed or distracted by the other issues in the office. 
Mm -hmm. Um, if they leave feeling like they really enjoyed their time with you, then you've won them over and they will send their friends and family to get loved on too. And, you know, this can be hard. Obviously we know, we know how our day goes. We know how busy we get. We know how things run, but you know, and, and, and just a side note idea is as you really start paying attention to this and doing this, you know, you may want to have a little code letter in your, in your chart notes that, you know, you know, who this patient is, what their love language is so that you can really meet them there every time. Um, That's a great idea. Yeah. And especially so if you have like, you know, QT in their notes, you know, like, okay, I got to have everything set in this room. I don't want to have to leave the room for them. I want them to know I'm here for them. Um, So then if you have a patient that shares stories with you of helping others, you know, they talk about, you know, they work at, you know, um, a service outing or things like that, or they offer to help you with even little things in the appointment. So honestly, I've had patients offer, like if I drop something, they're like, oh, let me get that for you. Or when I ask them what channel they'd like to watch, they literally ask me like, well, what do you want to watch? Like, like I'm, I'm watching your mouth. So you, I want to watch your mouth as I work on it. <laughs> um, but when I see and hear kind of that, then I know I've got somebody who thrives on acts of service. And fortunately for this one, we are all here to serve. So this one's a little easier for us. Um, these are the patients that you really pamper. Um, you know, we offer them, you know, we do this for all of our patients, but these are the patients who are going to take you up on things like a warm neck pillow, a blanket, um, you know, giving them a little extra time in the massage chair. Um, these are the patients you can make special accommodations for. You know, these are the ones that, you know, you typically don't do this, but maybe you offer to stay a little late or come in a little early to accommodate their schedule. Um, You know, it doesn't have to be these grandiose things, but acts of service for them really mean a lot. And the serve, you know, having great customer service, they notice that. So these are the ones you really want to kind of go all out for and just really pamper and make them feel special, make them feel served well. And then admittedly, physical touch can be an awkward language if it's not yours. Um, But considering that we do interact with patients and perform services in a very intimate physical space for them already, it may not be as hard as we think. Um, I'll say that I think you obviously only do what you feel comfortable doing, right? That goes without saying. But when you have a patient that goes in for a hug or pats your arm or cups your shoulder, this is likely one of those patients that speaks the physical touch language. These are the patients that we can rest our hand on their shoulder or hug them at the end of the appointment or when we greet them and they get that warm, fuzzy feeling that's very meaningful to them. Mm -hmm. And I have, I have a couple of patients and I, again, I've seen them for years. I love them dearly and I'm totally good with it, but I have a couple of patients that I just bond really well with and they're female. Um, I would think this was odd if it were a man, honestly, but, um, when, as we're talking and, you know, I'm cleaning and we're talking life things and we're just connecting, they will literally like reach up with their hand and like cup my, my shoulder a little bit while we're talking. And at the first few times I was like, this is kind of weird, but I was like, they just feel so connected and that is the way they communicate. And I'm totally yeah. cool with it. So I know like when things like that happen, then I know at the end, like I can go in for a hug and they're totally going to love that. Um, so yeah, this is probably the, the, the hardest one, right? Cause you, there's like, you know, we're professionals and there's, there's that line of not, not crossing the line yeah, um, boundaries but, and maintaining yeah, yeah, professionalism yeah. while also right. being loving and while also being nurturing to them. And, right. I mean, I think the, the most awkward thing for me is that 
so if we're like stereotyping or putting people like in categories, I think, I don't remember if I read or just inferred, or I talked with someone about this, but like men tend to be, tend to be more like, um, physical touch and like, like just the average, like the stats on it are like men tend to like, like physical touch more than, more than it is the primary love language of a female basically. And, and like, uh, I think words of affirmation is the second one. And then women primarily like quality time, um, and gifts or like, you know, other things like that's just stereotyping. Obviously everyone across the board is not this way, but what's so interesting is I think that most of my patients who want to give me a hug are usually men. And then I have to do the awkward loops hug of like, you know, yeah, don't yeah. Press side hug, yeah. the side hug, like the church hug kind of thing and, and that, but I've had some females though, as kind of like you're describing that they touch your shoulder. I've had some female patients when I'm like, you know, next to them explaining something, they put their, their hand on my lap, not in a weird way, but just like, yeah, I see what you're saying. Yeah. Like, they're just yeah. like trying to relate and connect with me kind of. So yeah. yeah, you can definitely tell who those people are. And then you can do the awkward uh, loops hug, especially in the, in the day of non-COVID, which is hopefully yeah. in the near future here. Right. Right. Ah, I hope so. Um, and this is kind of a side thing. Like this isn't necessarily about love languages, but we just had this conversation yesterday um, in the morning as we were getting ready for our huddle. And I think it's applicable. It was interesting. One of our assistants was talking about something that a patient had shared with her that was like pretty personal. And she was like, sometimes I really feel like we're therapists. And I'm like, absolutely. And I said, but you have to think about this from a psychology standpoint. We really are, um, you know, providing care in a very intimate and vulnerable place for them, like literally in their mouth. We are in there doing all the things or, you know, our face is right up next to theirs. Like they already feel like, you know, we're, they're very close to us. So I think there's something psychologically there that, you know, because of that proximity and and that care that they're getting makes them feel like they can tell us all the things, because I'm sure you've had your, your experiences as well as patients telling you some really interesting life things, um, which I think is great. You know, that means they're comfortable and that they, you know, feel safe with you and they trust you. So I think that, you know, it's a good time when patients are doing that. Sometimes, um, I have to work really hard on my facial expression to you know, not, not look too surprised or reactive, but I think it's a cool thing that they do that and that we do have the gift of being able to connect with them and, and share life with them. Yeah. And I think all of it's an ebb flow and finding the boundaries and what's appropriate and when to know when to like change the subject or cut someone off. Yeah. When to know like when, you know, like physical touch is appropriate and not appropriate and like, you know, all the things. It's all kind of like learning to read people and just maintaining that professionalism like at all times. But yeah, totally. I've had the shocker stories for sure. Yeah. And I think just like every other relationship in our life, um, time builds that relationship and that experience. We get to know each other better. You know, like I said, you have some patients that'll come in in the beginning and you'll have no idea what their love language is. They're just very stoic. And some people are just wired that way too. So it's hard to tell, but you know, I think the more we get to interact and I have a great example of this too, is I had a patient, um, he was in this week and he was in on the doctor's side, but I happened to pop up front to grab a printout of something and he was standing there and I said, Oh, Hey, how are you? And what's funny is this guy, he's been coming for years um, and he is very, you know, just kind of stoic and there's kind of like that wall and, you know, we jokingly might call him Eeyore when he's not around just because he's <laughs> like very kind of just like, uh-huh. 
Yes, Eeyore is very lovable. Um, but he's never like one of those like gregarious, like, you know, kind of guys. So, you know, I said, Hey, how are you? And he did kind of light up. And he was telling me a little bit about a story about his daughter and, you know, just life in general. And I was like, oh, I can't wait to see you in my chair. And he's like, yeah, I got to make that appointment. I'll do that right now. And it was just one of those, like, I walked away thinking, gosh, I remember when he first came in and it was always like, how are you? Fine. Mm -hmm. You know, and that was kind of it. So it was really just that brief moment of him kind of lighting up and sharing some personal things just out in the, you know, reception area was like, cool. We're making progress here. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So very, very cool. We, we, I love, I love the opportunities we get to connect. Me too. I think, I think that if anyone feels like they're not sure where to start with this and trying to like read their patients, I think the easiest place is just to circle back to mirroring and matching because that's what like we touched on earlier, uh, really enables that superficial connection. So like the first couple of point of appointments, like you know, the person speaking slowly and at low volume, slow pace, low volume, and you match that, they're going to connect with that and sense that you are like them and they will like you and trust you more. It's just psychology, it's research, you know, it's the way that it is. But I think that when we do that first, then the person feels more comfortable being themselves around us. Yeah. You know, like they, they feel better letting their guard down. And of course it takes time, like building rapport and them knowing that they can trust us and we're here for them and we have their best interests at heart and in mind. Um, of course that helps the process too. But I think initially where we can start with all this is just do the basic superficial stuff. And then you can get a little bit deeper as time goes on. I think it just gives us an opportunity to yeah. start looking at love languages and then kind of like incorporate that in the future. Yeah. And I think the whole, the, the concept behind that is people like people who are like them. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Exactly so, what it is. Yeah. Yep. So if you're doing that mirror and matching and, and you start there, they'll start to open up to you more and, and you'll kind of see who they are. Yeah. Really cool. Yep. I think this has been super, super insightful. I love the examples that you gave of specifically what we should look for for each type of patient and how we can kind of like see which, you know, what, what patients will most likely connect the most with. So that was awesome. Cool. Well, hopefully this has been an intriguing concept to all of our listeners today. Um, We hope this has challenged you to be more observant and intentional with patient interaction and with how to meet them where they're at so that we can just continue to provide the best, most connected level of service. Um, And as usual, Brittany and I always want to hear from you guys. We, you know, we love each other a lot, um, but we'd like some other input. That would be great (laughs) Um, outside of just the two of us. So if you haven't yet, join us on our Mighty Network. So it's a free app. You just download the app. It's just look up Mighty Networks. And then once you're in the app, um, look up Bulletproof Hygiene and join us. And it's a great forum to ask questions, share ideas, just collaborate, um, because that's what we're here for. And I've heard from a lot of you lately, you kind of chimed in on the network and just said, hey, thanks so much. We love the podcast. We love what you guys are doing. You know, we read the book. So that's super helpful to us. Um, And we'd love to hear about what you want to know more about or what you want to hear about. So please, if you haven't joined us, do so. And if you've joined us, but you haven't necessarily said hi yet, come say hi. Yes, we love, we love your input. We love your interaction. We're both quality time people. So come spend some time with us. That's right. All right. Well, everybody have a wonderful week. Um, Good luck treating your patients to the best of your ability. And we will see you next time. Bye guys. Have a great week. 
Thanks for joining us for this episode of the Bulletproof Hedging Podcast. We hope you've had as much fun as we have. Don't forget to click subscribe for a lot more where this came from. We appreciate your support and promise to keep the hygiene gems coming. Keep track of upcoming Bulletproof Hygiene events by visiting bulletproofhygiene.com or download the Mighty Networks app and search Bulletproof Hygiene to stay connected. We want to hear from you.